If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain to you how it works. Anchor is free. This creation tool that they are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a lot of other platforms. Here is the interesting thing: you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast. So, what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I hope you enjoyed this. Once again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do you want to break the barriers that seem to hinder you from being a high flyer? Do you want to rest on the shoulders of those who have broken boundaries against all odds? Do you want to rise above your current level? Then this is the place to be. Welcome to the Rising Heroes podcast. This podcast is committed to showing how to ride from where you are to where you should be. Grab your pen and paper as we make welcome our host, Toluche Francis. Over to you, but introduce yourself to my people <laughs> because now you're on my page. Oh yeah, I, I, I saw you trying. I saw you. I heard you selling me, selling yes. me to people. <laughs> yes, so you're the number one champion. No? <laughs> yeah. So my name is Solusha Francis. Um, I reside here in Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, I'm a therapist. I'm also a writer. I'm an author of. Um, I have about four books now. That, that I have written. Meanwhile, today I'm sending you one to help me write it forward on. Uh, it's a very short Okay, book. brilliant. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, so right. um, I, I currently volunteer with the World Federation for Mental Health as the African Regional Director and um, okay. also with the Valley Nigeria Initiative. I run a consulting firm, Real Consulting, where I train HR professionals and employees on, and employers rather, on employee wellness and um, emotional well-being of their staff because I believe that mental health drives productivity. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. World Forum once gave some statistics as to how mm-hmm. mental health employees or staff members have been driving productivity of organizations. I think it's very important that we all embrace, embrace that as, as players of, of 
of labor. And of course, that's coupled with some trainings that I do with um, organizations abroad, um, Train HR. Train HR mm -hmm. is an organization in the US that runs webinars for HR professionals. So I, I teach on empathy, empathy okay. with disability, how HR professionals can put them in mind as they draw work schedules among other things. So I run a YouTube channel. I run a YouTube okay. channel. I podcast, Rising Heroes, Rising Heroes podcast. My YouTube channel is my name, um, Tonisha Francis. And so basically that's um, the nutshell of what I do. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, like I was telling them at the beginning, you're an evangelist for, for mental and emotional health, you know, uh, and you've been, you've been on this, you've been on this road even before it became mainstream. Um, yes. And yeah, and there's almost no conversation about mental and emotional health that I've been at from TEDx Women Yaba to the thing with the British High Commission to Social Media Week where you're not at the forefront. So more power to you. Thank you, thank you. All right, uh, so I, over to you. But this, uh, this was very short notice. Um, I, mm -hmm. I must, I must say that I really appreciate that you agreed to do this with me. Because I'm very, very And like you said, it was to do something for yourself um, today. But you, you left that just to answer this call, and that, that again uh, points to the fact that you're always concerned about the life of people and about how um, the emotional well-being of people so once again i dab <laughs> thank you sir thank you so much so um so everyone who is watching us right now uh i over over the week i, I began to think about this period that we are in uh, doctors doing their own nurses doing their thing everyone running here and there we are not at the forefront but i saw that let me put something together and let's, let, let's, let's have a conversation around when chaos happens, when crisis comes to us. Nobody plans to experience crisis. Nobody plans to experience whatever it is right now. Just some weeks ago, we're all here and there. Uh, we had our out and now we want to leave. And in the twinkle of an eye, everything is changing. You know, the, something is bringing us all to our knees. Entire world is like, these are perhaps after the plans of people. These has changed the mindset of a number of people. Some people are already beginning to have a thoughts of what life really is and absolutely decisions or even concluding that some things not it. As I as I sat I began to think what kind of conversation can we have to start with. And I know uh, today runs Joy Inc. for those who are my own followers who don't know today. Uh, which is a, a wellness organization, but they're always preaching uh, the fact that for yourself, right, to experience joy and always people. So I said, hey, let's have a conversation around finding joy in the midst of chaos, joy when all is not going well, finding joy when it seems like what you hold on to or what is really just taking away from you and you really do not have power over yourself. The circumstances. As it is right now, we really don't have power over the circumstances. We are, we are forced to go by what the government in different countries have asked us to do. So today, I thought to bring you on here so that we can have some conversations. I have some um, questions penned down, but basically, please feel free to go in depth as much as as much as you would want to go. Um, if you're not able to finish the entire questions, I believe strongly that 
in the in, in as the conversations go on, you will even touch some, and so there won't be a need for me to ask some of those questions anymore. Right. So are we bro? Okay, yes, we are. All right, great. Now, first of all, people experience crisis at individual levels, and uh, but what we have right now is global. How 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 do we find ourselves in the midst of all this? How do we how do we do it that we don't lose who we really are in the midst of, mm. of all this? Well, um, I think that it's it's one thing, or maybe it's two, which is if you have a if you have a if you have a routine that centers you, yeah, um, this is the time to continue that routine. If there are things that you do that that make you stay connected with yourself, that make you stay centered, that make you stay um, um, in tune with what matters to you and what your purpose is in the world. This is not the time to stop. Yeah? This is the time to continue. So, for instance, I've been speaking this week about the discipline of gratitude, for instance. And the okay. idea is that for gratitude to work, it has to be... Gratitude is not just an idea. For you to, to, to work for your well-being, for you to work for your spirit, it has to be a practice and it has to be a discipline. It has to be something you wake up every morning or every evening and you do regularly and consistently because it's a discipline a discipline is not something you stop in the middle of a crisis a discipline is something you continue maybe in a different form maybe in a modified form maybe in an adjusted form but you find a way to continue it it's like um if you have a a, a personal exercise routine yeah so if you're trying to lose weight before or if you're just do your doing cardio exercises or trying to build muscle or whatever before the the this crisis began you don't stop yeah so maybe you stop going to the gym if you used to go to the gym and instead of going to the gym now you're working around your area you're working around your house you buy you spread out a, a mat or a wrapper you do those exercise, strength exercises at home but you continue because those things become even more important in a time of instability to have the things that are constant in a time of... So my pastor was preaching this morning and he was saying, at a time like this when it seems like everything has gone haywire, it's helpful to remember the things that haven't gone haywire. It's helpful to remember that the sun is still rising and the sun is still setting. It's helpful to remember that we all still have access to breath. It's helpful to remember a few things that are going as well. Those, just knowing that these things are steady gives you some sort of anchor in this time. And if you have those things that you do for yourself, it's important to continue them at this time if they are healthy practices. Yeah, if your own centric practices included hugging 15 people every morning, then you will need to adjust it at this time of distancing. That's one. But the other thing is that if you didn't have any practices, now this is the time, this is a grand opportunity because we have space, you have time you know, um, to develop certain kinds of centering practices. Yeah. Uh, and so those are the two things that I think that I think should happen. One, if you have any, this is the time to continue. And if you didn't have anything that centered you or anchored you, this is a prime opportunity for you to develop such routines. Thank you. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I was, I was teaching in the group yesterday and I was talking about Learning to center yourself in the when when you are anxious, when you're experiencing mm -hmm. some form of anxiety, it's important that mm -hmm. you get 
identify yourself and come to that consciousness of mm. what is happening around and draw what is going to help you cope with it. You know, and just like you said, we did not have a particular practice before. Mm. This is the time to pull that together. That you may not be able to go out there doesn't mean that you cannot do things within your house. It doesn't mean that you cannot do things even within your company. Thank you so much. Now, my next question is, what's your understanding of joy and how mm. should this reflect in our lives? So two things. I'm going. Uh, I, I, when I started when I started teaching about joy, I came up with a, a definition that was true to me, and that is the enjoyment of every moment of our lives, or mm. maybe not every moment, the enjoyment of as many moments of our lives as we possibly can, um, or more than that, to have more moments of 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 enjoying being, enjoying life, than we have moments of. Of, of non-enjoyment or unhappiness, yeah. Um, somebody has said, it's the enjoyment of where you are on the way to wherever it is you want to go. But also the enjoyment of where you are if there is a detour from where you wanted to go. Yeah. Okay. Um, another definition that really resonated with me after I came out of um, uh, the depressive episode in 2016 was the energy to live. Mm. The energy to live. To wake up every morning, yeah. I remember that one. That one was clear to me because when you've gone through such a dark episode, you realize that you don't take the energy to live for granted. The idea that you can wake up every morning and just be ready to go to do life, and that doesn't even mean you are happy. It just means you you want to do life. You want to engage. You want to create. You want to innovate. You want to network. You want to love. You want to live. That's not something you can take for granted because some people don't even have that energy as we are speaking so for me joy at its base is uh, it's, it's 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 a it's and the energy to do life the desire the excitement to engage the world to do the things that require that 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 um that make life worth living to like i said to create to engage to love to 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 play to have fun you know, all of those things. That at its base is what joy is. But, you know, um, the human, the positive psychology movement, um, the, the, the language they use for, that I say it's the, the, what I call the botanical name for joy, is human flourishing. And the idea of living in an optimal state, emotionally, um, um, uh, spiritually, mentally, and feeling like you have control of your life, and your life is moving in a, in a forward direction, so to speak. That, that, that will be joy to me. Thank you. I agree with you. The energy to live, the energy to life, human flourishing. Because in, in, in all truthfulness, you can't live if, you, if there is no joy. All right? You can't live if there is no joy. The energy would not be there. Now, I know mm. that the spiritual cycle, we believe mm. that joy is a spiritual thing. I mean, I've heard people mm. say between joy and happiness. Do you really think that mm -hmm. between joy and happiness? I think, um, so yes, obviously, but you see, the thing about it is that sometimes I don't want us to, I don't like getting caught up in terms, though it's important to use language because what else do we really have? But the idea is that there's a difference, but sometimes some people, some people use even what I consider to be joy, some people use happiness when they're talking about it, and what I consider to be happiness, some people use joy when they're talking about it. So, it's, so for the purpose of our conversation here, I think it's important for people to, 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 to 
to follow the thread of the two definitions rather than the words in themselves. So one is happiness is essentially, I, I see happiness as a, the way that many people differentiate is that happiness is, um, happiness is temporary. Happiness is um, external to you. Happiness is something yeah. when, you're, when, you, when you react to something that has happened in, 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 in the moment. Yeah. When you react to something that, and is, that is mostly external to you. So I, 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 um, I, I mean, whenever I take cold stone ice cream, I'm full of a lot of happiness. Um, when I take chocolate, I'm full of a lot of happiness. When I win a contract that I'm looking for, that is happiness. Um, if I jump on my scale and I lose, uh, uh, I don't know, one kg, that's happiness. If, so those kinds of things are happiness. Uh, they are often extrinsic. They are external to me. Yeah, But joy is a state of being. Hmm. Yeah, joy is not joy doesn't joy is not something that depends on what is happening in your life. Excellent. Joy is something that's wholly dependent on on the inside of you. Like a person can feel. I mean, so today I just had the moment when I was watching TV, and I just looked. To, I was just looking at the basket on the floor, and it just felt like everything was all right with the world. Like it just wasn't. There was nothing happening. There was no. The, the move, nothing. So just, it's just a moment, yeah, just a moment of sheer joy. Just like, oh my God, this is a beautiful world. Yeah. And that is joy. Joy is, and so I understand when religious people, you say joy is spiritual. Now, I, I, I don't, I, I, by that, I'm, I don't think it's esoteric. I don't think it's uh, religious. It's just that if, 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 if something is coming from inside you that doesn't depend on external material things, it doesn't depend on even your physiology, so to speak, it is just something from somewhere that is in you, but you cannot really identify where it is from, yeah, then the metaphor of spiritual is very useful to describe that. Yeah? So that is when we say the joy comes from your spirit. Yeah. So for me, that's the difference between joy and happiness. Um, both of them can coexist at the same time. And, and, and to be honest, if you can have both of them, if you can have many moments of, if you can have joy and many moments of happiness, that's a great thing. So, you know, you have a sense of well-being that comes from your spirit, but you are achieving your goals. You know, you are getting the things you want in life. You know, you are, you are, you are getting external things while you have an internal state of peace. If you can, if you can achieve those two things, that is great and incredible. Yeah. So I think that there's often a, a, a movement to de-emphasize the importance of, importance of happiness and to almost guilt people for, for being happy. But I think happiness is important. The happiness, I mean, the happiness that comes from, like I said, being able to enjoy little moments, you know, being able to succeed in your career, being able to enjoy external things are important, internal things are important. Yeah, but that state of being, because you, we will have trouble in our lives, we will have adversity. It is, it is, you know, when I, when, in 2016, I, I you know, um, I don't know whether it's John 12, 11, for, the, for those who are Christians. And it says, in this world, you will have tribulation. I know before that, my Christianity had always been a Christianity of everything is going to be all right. You know, no matter what I say, when success comes my way, that kind of, you know, Christian. <laughs> exactly. And then it's for the first time, because I was in this, in this, um, I was dealing with this 
depression and I was finding, I was trying to find comfort. I, and I, I happened upon, uh, in this life, you will have tribulation. You will have it. It is a promise. It will certainly come. Yeah, so because you know that your life is not going to be full of moments of happiness, it's good to cultivate a sense of joy because it is that that will keep you when adversity inevitably comes. So joy is crucial. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, uh, social media has played a great role in the lives of youth uh, these days. A whole lot of things that they're able to do with social media. Now, mm. do you think that there is something that youth can grab from social media in times like this? Mm. Well, of course there is now. There's, there's, I mean, social media is an incredibly useful tool. It's, I've said that social media is a net positive for the world. Yeah, the ability to learn, to connect at scale without cost is huge for civilization. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Um, but people must understand that, as always, we are in charge of the things that we consume or let into our mental and emotional space to a very large extent, yeah. So, at the, so it's like, so you, you walk into social media as if you're walking into a market. People are saying a lot of things, and some of those things are good, and some of those things are bad. Some of those things are helpful, some of those things are not helpful. And too much of, too much of all those things will often be bad. Your job as a, as a person, and especially as a young person, is to curate your consumption, to say, who are the people that I want to listen to at this time? Who are the people that are going to add value to my life at this time? You know, who are the people that are resonating with my spirit or my brain at this point in time? Um, and how much of them should I consume? <laughs> yeah, so how much of them should I consume while still achieving the goals I've set for myself? If you've decided that this this shut down is a period to catch up on rest like i'm doing then even as you are consuming things from social media um two things one you should be trying to find resources or advice or help or information that helps you in that journey to get more rest and you should be able to have enough autonomy yeah to to self-control so to speak to decide when you've had enough for a day, for a week, you know, for, 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 for the morning or the afternoon, you must continue to curate what you need. It is, you are the editor of your experiences in life mm -hmm. and especially on social media. Yeah, you are the editor. And the job of an editor is to select and to cut. Mm. Yeah, it's one of the uh, one, one of the powerful books I read is I've ever read in my life, and I read it every year. It's one of, it's a essentialism, and it mm. reminds me that my job as a, my job the job of essentialism is to focus only on what matters to me, and I have to approach my life as if I'm an editor. And those of us who are writers know that the job of an editor, if the job if the editor if you give an editor an article, an editor is adding to the article, and uh, something is wrong. <laughs> but if the editor is helping you select, you know. Find out what is important. Emphasize what is important. That's your job with social media. You are not at today's mercy. You are not at Tolushe's mercy. You are. We are. We are. We all come. We all came here with agenda. 
Yeah, we, we have our own purpose. We have our own missions. You have a purpose that you have an energy you're bringing to the world. I have a purpose and an energy I'm bringing to the world. So I have an agenda. You as the consumer have to decide that it's either my agenda is enabling your agenda. Mm. You know, just because you respect today or you like today doesn't mean you spend all your days, you know, consuming today's content unless you think that today's content is advancing your purpose and advancing your agenda and enhancing your experience. So that is the way we must approach social media. It's a treasure, it's a treasure trove. It's crucial, it's hugely helpful because it's, it's, it's vast and it's costless. Yeah. But it also has a lot of rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> you have to say, and it has a lot of waste and, 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 and um, um, what's that word? Um, the word a, a negative abundance, so to speak. Superfluousness. So it's your job to select, to select, to cut, to select, to cut, to select, to cut. All right. So someone asked the question, and since we are not so far away from that topic, I think we should mm -hmm. um, answer it. So she's asking, how do you cultivate joy? Yeah. So the number one thing, it's, it's organize your life in a way that produces the most amount of happiness. So one of, organize. So the first job is proactive. It's the number one thing in the seven habits of highly effective people, which is be proactive. Mm -hmm. And um, Michelle Obama said it, I think, this year, last year. Uh, I think it was an Oprah's uh, Vision 2020 tour, that you have to organize your life for joy and there's something that one of the founders of the happiness movement is a, a research a, a, a hungarian researcher called i'm sure you're familiar with his work mikhail sichik mikhail and he has one psychological tool that i don't remember what it's called it's something having to do with affect but i call it the flow test and i use it at the joy retreats and i say if you don't know what makes you joyful spend a week with your phone yeah do 10 do 10 reminders alarms on your phone throughout the day yeah and when you are when you remind when it when it rings and it reminds you write down what you are feeling at that moment are you feeling happy are you feeling if you don't have a large emotional vocabulary just write i feel happy i feel sad i feel happy i feel sad yeah and at the end of the week curate the situations people and activities that made you feel happy. Yeah, from that your audits. Write down the things. So and this 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 thing I, I read it in um, in um, Daniel Pink's book Drive many years ago, and it revolutionized my life. I did this exercise for I think one week or two weeks, and I I changed my entire life. So let me give an example. If I fix, I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm, so I, I can afford to do this. If I fix any activity or meeting before nine o'clock, it can affect my enjoyment of the rest of the day because I'm not a morning person. Okay. Yeah? Now, this small thing, just redesigning my life in this way, produces vast amounts of joy. Like any day I have to wake up at 7 o'clock to catch a flight or to go to a meeting, I can see how it affects my mood and how much cognitive redirection I have to do 
to be happy in that moment. But if I have my mornings easy, I wake up at six, I pray at seven, I, like I say, I lolox from seven to eight, then, you know, I get ready, my day radically changes. You know, so that exercise helped me know. I began to identify who are the friends that ennoble my spirit. Yeah, mm. so yesterday, for instance, I went to spend the day with my friend Olumide, and somebody said, why did you go there? And I'm like, because Olumide makes me so joyful. You know, so <laughs> when I need to be reminded of what matters in my life, when I need to be, to, to be strengthened in my spirit, I have a list of the friends that, 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 um, that I know are good for my spirit because I did this exercise. Yeah? Okay. Um, I know the places that I go to. You know, there are some, sometimes, you know, I know the places I go to. I know the movies I watch. I know the foods I eat. I know the, the people I talk to. I, another. So I have curated, yeah, a list of people, situations, and activities that help me automatically produce joy. Automatically. Yeah, and I create those conditions around myself. Many years ago, I used to spend a lot of time at, um, at a hotel when I would feel, like four or five years ago, I think there was a hotel in Lagos called Best Western. And when I would feel yeah. depressed and I would feel unhappy, I would go to Best Western. I, one day I said to myself, what is making me happy in Best Western? What is the thing here that's making me happy? You know, you know sometimes we say well, something is our happy place. And I'm like, what makes this my happy place? And I, I began to identify it consciously. And I, I love the curtains. I love the bathroom. I love the view. And I said, great, I'm going to recreate this experience in my house. Yeah. And I actually did. I actually re remodeled my room. So, for instance, I, I am doing this chat from my room. And my room gives me vast amounts of joy. The, the decor, the the spaciousness, the colors, everything is to help me organically produce joy. Yeah, so that's the number one and the most important. Some of us don't have lives that are designed for joy. Some of us are surrounded by people, experiences that didn't come because we assessed ourselves and said, this makes me happy. It came because we bought it because our friends have it. We bought it because somebody was selling it. We bought the thing because it was popular. I always joke at the retreats and say some of us who live in Lagos, Nigeria, live in Lekki, not because Lekki makes us happy, but because we're told that Lekki is where you go when God has blessed you, since you cannot afford to go to Koi. Um, and I said, and some of these things, they, they, they sound small, but they are important. If you are living in a place that doesn't ennoble your spirit, you know, you can find yourself struggling up. It's like trying to run uphill. Yeah, but if you arrange your life in a way that you're not constantly having to struggle to be joyful, it makes your life so much, so much more easier. So that's the number one thing. Can you organize your life in a way to organically produce joy by identifying the situations, activities, and people that give you the most amount of happiness? Yeah? And then in addition to that, can you find practices, disciplines, things that you do regularly that reconnect you to a place of joy? You know, regularly, regularly. Those two things, are, are, are for me, are important. So my, 
my practices are uh, um, rest, affirmations, um, um, and uh, gratitude journaling. These are practices that anchor me on a daily basis. And you don't have to copy mine. I got through these ones by testing and trying. So I would hear Oprah say something. I would try it. I would hear um, uh, Ariana Huffington say something. I would try that. I said, okay, how does it work? I was, maybe I'll be watching a video. I'll see Nathan Abbasi say something. I'd be like, okay, how can I try that? You know, I would, so, you know, I'll be watching a YouTube video and I'll see somebody say something about joy or my pastor. I'll be like, oh, let me try that. So in trying a lot of things and experimenting a lot of things, I realized, oh, these things center me. They reconnect me to my sources of joy. Uh, um, uh, and so for you, it might not be the things I said, but it is important to discover the practices that make you joyful. So go out there, experiment, and as you carry out these experiments and these testing, you see what works for you, and yeah. then you can adapt your life, because this isn't cast in stone. What mm -hmm. works for you, what works for Tulisha, may not necessarily work for you, but mm -hmm. you have to be conscious about it, and then test things and try things out. Now, Emotions are very important. Emotions, mm. emotions play a great role in our lives. I mean, I have this thing that I call a chain. I say the chain reaction to everything that we think about. So it begins from what you think to mm -hmm. how you feel to mm. make decisions, and then you mm -hmm. carry out action. Now, I'm very interested uh, today in you sharing with us how do you deal with negative emotions? That's part one, and how. What is emotional intelligence to you and how do you put it into place? Surely in this time that we are in, um, mm. news around there, some fake news, mm. some mm. news that nobody is even verifying, or and then something just throw them at you and it can begin to shake where you are and mm. uh, begin to say, ah, my, my life, my life is finished mm. and all that. How do you put <laughs> to check and how do you mm. practice emotional intelligence in times like this? The first thing is to again without sounding like a, like a broken record is to curate your experience so number one consciously decide what you are going to consume at this time because you don't want to put yourself in a situation something that Seth Godin wrote in his newsletter this week um, I follow his newsletter every day and it says do not handle your emotions like the stock exchange where you are trading your emotions every day today it goes up tomorrow it goes down today it goes up tomorrow it goes down um, I own certain shares on the stock exchange in Nigeria and and globally, for instance. Um, I won't talk about the Nigerian one, but international events, I own certain shares. And as this whole crisis has, be, has continued, I have not traded. You have not gone to sell or move any shares because um, when I selected those shares, I carefully, thoughtfully, with a view for the long term, selected those shares yeah and i knew that anybody who is anybody who who understands how the stock market works knows that some days your stock will go down there'll be calamities there'll be confusions there'll be all of that but your job is to stay firm with the choices you've made even through the crisis yeah and said Godin was saying it's the same thing with your emotions yeah yeah you must ensure that your emotions, you are not trading with them. You are not, they are not going up, down, up, down, based on the news that mm -hmm. you are consuming or the people that you are following. But, the, but also it is important to understand that we are human 
And so if we continuously expose ourselves to negative emotion triggers, yeah, we will weaken our capacity to, 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 to maintain equilibrium, so to speak. That we will weaken our capacity. So it's like an alcoholic. If you are recovering from alcoholism, you don't put alcohol in your house. At all. <laughs> you don't put alcohol in your house. You don't say, oh, I'm trying, I have become strong. Therefore, no, 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 my love, you take the alcohol out. Yeah? It's like if you come into my fridge at home, when visitors visit me, because I have a sweet tooth, the, 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 the sugary drinks are out of the house. You have to go and, you have to go and, and I learned it from Oprah many years ago. Oprah says she wants to stop eating at seven. So when it's seven o'clock, she shuts down her kitchen and the person that is, takes the key and goes. So you have to remember that you're a human being, yeah? And you are susceptible to being influenced. So you have to organize your life in a way that you are not exposed to the people who pan... So I've muted... There are some of my uncles and aunties on social media that I respect a lot. But I have muted them. I love them so much. But I've muted them. My bonds in the media industry that are posting every 30 minutes every 25 minutes and they are posting news that is without nuance or without context and they are panicking you know they're about to transfer panic to me and i'm like i love them but i don't need this at this moment so i am also curating that and that's the same thing it's you have to avoid anything that will make your emotions go up and down like the stock exchange go up and down that's the number one thing Especially, you should do that for all of your life, but you especially do that at a time like this. Yeah. In addition to that, there's what we call there's 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 cognitive journaling, which is a tool you are aware of. And cognitive journaling is always a way. The book I recommend um, at the Joy Retreat and at my events is "Loving What Is" by Katie Bryan, and she does uh, she 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 does break down. Um, how to constantly deal with what life throws at you without losing, without your emotions going up and down. It's a very incredible book. One of those books I read regularly. At Joy Inc., we took some of all of the research about cognitive journaling and we took some of the learnings from her book and we broke it down into three questions, which is into five, a five-step process, which is number one, what am I... F so it's like, if you, want to, if you want to manage your emotions, yeah, what is a quick one minute to two minutes hack you can do. Number one, and you have to have your phone beside you or your biro and paper beside you to do it. Number one, what, am I, what exactly am I feeling at the moment? Number two, what exactly am I thinking at the moment? Number three, what exactly am I doing at the moment? Because often our actions influence our thoughts and our thoughts are reflected in our emotions. Yeah, so what am I feeling at the moment? What am I thinking at the moment? What am I doing at the moment? Then the next one is the most important part to focus on action. What am I going to do next? Yeah, and that's the idea that you have control over your own emotional states. And the best way to determine your emotional state is to choose the actions that let negative emotion go away and allow positive emotion come in. So that's part. So after you've after you've 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 journaled what you are feeling and why you are feeling it, that's not enough. That's not enough. The next thing is, what action am I going to take yeah, to transform 
my emotional state now you know, what what action that is so crucial the action um um one of my favorite books is the four agreements by uh, don miguel Ruiz. yeah he's not a therapist but his fourth agreement is action after you finish whatever it is you are doing whatever it is you, you you cannot change your emotional state by just understanding what i'm saying by just you know it's like when you go to church or more or wherever you go in a temple or whatever and pastor is preaching like yes pastor yes pastor great your brain has released dopamine you feel excited it's all great but if you go home and you don't take action on those learnings oh, sorry i think you were saying something but i can't get i can't hear you Are you audio? I can't hear you. Okay. Okay. So I guess I'll continue because you're not saying can you hear me? So do share. Guys, wave if you can hear me. I don't think I can hear. Okay, fantastic. Okay, so you can hear me. So, Tolisha, I don't know what's wrong. Go. Um, um, okay. So, while we're waiting for him, I'll just continue. Um, so, somebody said, um, Betty says, yes, I'm really, I know I'm really bad. Yeah, I know, my sister. But, you know, for me, these days, I used to be terrible at... Uh, so part of it is that, some of the problem is that if we do too... One of my favorite books... I have a lot of favorite books. Another one is on... It's incredible. And my heart prays for that woman every day for writing that incredible book. And it just teaches you... One of the things she teaches is that if you have too many things you are doing to help yourself, you are going to slack on some of them. And she's like, choose the ones that are most impactful to you and do those ones regularly. You are more likely to continue and sustain if you are not doing too many things. So before, it's called, so Arisha, it's called the surprisingly unstuck. Surprisingly unstuck. Unsurprised. No. Sup yes. Wait, 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 let me check it. It's here. Hold on. Hold on. So these are the books I'm reading um, these are the books I read regularly. I'm just going to show you guys my books. These are the books I read regularly. Yeah, like every... I try to read them every year. I read them. So you can see Brené Brown. You can see Jim Collins. You can see Paul W.M. Young. You can see Epictetus. Love Languages. Anyway, so yeah. So um, this is it. It's called... Um, surprisingly unstuck. Let me type it out. Surprisingly unstuck. Maria 
very lucky. I will take a picture of the books. So yeah, so that's a so that's a hugely important book that I read, and it it taught me that the key to 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 consistency is is a small number. You have to have a very small number of things that you are doing. So for me, I used to have meditation, all of those things. I said that the most important of all of them was gratitude journaling. That if I don't do any of them, I will do gratitude journaling. I will constantly do gratitude journaling. So when I don't meditate, when I don't do all of those other things, I told you, are you back? I'm back. Okay, excellent. So, um, so yeah, so I was just, I mean, I, I forgot where we left off, but I was just answering questions. Yeah, no, it's and, fine, right? So first, guys, I will send you, actually, I will take a picture of those books I showed you guys. I will take a picture and I'll put it on my page immediately after this, this chat. But I'm saying, if you are not consistent in journaling, it might be that, one, you are making it too difficult, or two, you are doing too many things at the same time. It's better to start small. It's better to start small. So that at least you can be consistent on a few things before you go big. Um, favored B, quickly before Tolu, I hand over to Tolu. Actually, from now on, every Sunday, I'll be doing a live at 6 o'clock. So 6 p.m. So this is my, you know, this is my virgin Sunday lives. At, thanks to Tolu for helping me kick off. Um, so you can join me every Sunday. But throughout this week, if you follow me, I'm having a lot of guests who are hosting me on their own pages. I think tomorrow I'm on with Dinola Gray. So you can join me for the next two weeks on um, Instagram Live. Back to you, Tolu. Yes, so I, I have one I have a particular question that I wanted to ask. Now, we can't rule out trauma, right, when it comes to the things that we experience. Mm -hmm. Of course, trauma can come in different forms, um, abuse from people, mm -hmm. um, physical, verbal, and all that. But we have childhood experiences and trauma that go a long way in defining our values as, as adults. But again, we're in a country, especially mm -hmm. in Nigeria, where we don't see childhood as being an important part mm. of our development as a people. Mm. What are your thoughts about raising mm. children, uh, especially in times like this? Now children are home mm. with their parents. They're probably mm. discovering a lot of things mm. that they didn't know about their, about their kids because um, mm. they were running a 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. kind of lifestyle. That in a place like Lagos, where, mm. where were we? What are your thoughts mm. about upbringing as it was then Right. Well, obviously, first, I don't, I'm not married. I don't have kids. So I'm not really the expert on raising kids. Um, but then I was a child. So I guess I can speak from those experiences. But also, one of my favorite, again, I, I read a lot. So one of my favorite books is, I think, Rising Strong by Brene Brown. And she talks about I what she called, I think it's, yes. <laughs> She talks, I talk about her a lot. She's like the godmother yeah. of my, of my, <laughs> of my journey. Um, and so two people I always talk about are Brené Brown and Ianla Van Zandt. Brené Brown and Ianla Van Zandt. And um, Brené Brown talks about brave parenting, brave parenting, emotionally brave parenting. And she says the, the, the most important way, and this is so crucial, I learned it from her, to raise a joyful, well-balanced child is to live your life in the way you want the child to be. 
you can teach your child vulnerability, courage, everything. But if the, the child takes the, their cue from what you are doing, yeah, if you are not loving, if you are not empathetic, if you are not vulnerable, if you are not honest, if you are not authentic, no matter how many times you try to teach your child or train your child to be all of those things, yeah, it's like my mother is always... Um, my mother is always stressing me out about, about, oh, today you are too, in her words, as far as she's concerned, you are too generous, you give people things too much, you are always, you, you, people will take advantage of you. And I'm like, ah, mommy, it's quite little because <laughs> I learned this through you. <laughs> you spent the whole of my childhood keeping 100 people in the house, dashing mm. money when you didn't have money, all of those things, you know, and even though I'm, I, I know what she's saying, and I keep trying to set, to, 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 to be more, to, to think of myself more, but based on watching her while I was growing up, I've been wired, you know, to, to, to be that way. So that shows me that what Brené Brown teaches is so crucial. The best way to raise a vulnerable child is to be vulnerable yourself. If, if, the, if the family a child is growing in is toxic, mm. the child is going to learn toxicity. You know, they cannot be, the home is literally the most powerful force in a child's life because the child spends much of the child's life in the home. And a child, a child there's a concept of something that uh, psychologists and I think neuroscientists call neuroplasticity, yeah, which means your brain is elastic. It receives new information constantly uh, and it's receptive to information. As a child, your neuroplasticity is is massive anything you see you experience you absorb you integrate unless there is a an adult who helps you choose and select so that is very important for parents to understand number one number two is as a society there are a lot of things look at society if if we start saying all the things that we don't do as a society we will be here till tomorrow one of the most important things is that we don't take emotional health seriously so like I was saying on my chat, I think it's okay. We many of our homes are incubo are cornucopia of traumatic experiences. Traumatic experiences. We grow up in homes where trauma is taken for granted. And many of our parents were not taught um, 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 the knowledge or the skills. I think to look and hear me, but I'll continue. Um, the knowledge or the skills to manage conflict in the home, uh, to manage trauma, to, 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 to be vulnerable, to create a safe space for children to emote. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't shared from our media. It wasn't taught in our schools. And so there is, a, and it's not that many of our parents did try their best for us. Um, and sometimes I always remember, I always remember how lucky I am with my own mother. I always say, I have very little trauma from my mother because one of my, my mother never used a negative word on me ever, you know. Uh, and as I grew up, I realized how, I mean, she did beat me, oof, but I do realize how lucky I was that my mother didn't transfer her traumas to me because we all have traumas as human beings. Yeah. Um, so, but it's not the same with a lot of families. A lot of families are, are, are what's that word? Petri dishes of trauma. 
yeah. and mostly of unresolved trauma. And so it now bears it now bears on us as we learn more about emotions. Our job is to forgive them, to forgive ourselves for the things we've learned, and then now find a way to ensure that we don't we sort out our own traumas such as we have, and not transfer our traumas to our children. Okay, so now we're waiting for Tolu to come back. We have five more minutes. Um, okay, I think Tolu is back. Tolu, okay, I'm waiting for Tolu. <laughs> I like when people repost about things. Yeah, so Tolu, over to you. Yes, I don't, I don't know why the net white stream. I'm sorry. That I want to ask. So, in December, you wrote an article calling Aramale a cultural icon. Mm -hmm. And uh, in spite of <laughs> vulgar, vulgar lyrics. Hi, Auntie Betty. Hey, Auntie Betty, good to see you finally. <laughs> yes, so our godmother. <laughs> she's, no, she's my godmother, not yours. <laughs> <laughs> right, so now, the last sentence is recent comments on mm -hmm. the coronavirus. I yeah. said something recently. Do you still think that he probably judged him too quickly? That's part one. Part two is, do you think that these people have a role to play in terms of passing positive vibes and helping people find joy in terms like this? So I've answered the question with Otisumi. Um, so first is that Naramali is a human being. Yeah. And, mm. and all of us have, many, all of us to some degree have all kinds of unprocessed issues that we're dealing with. Yeah, I, I'm not a I'm not a therapist or anything, so I, I'm not speaking specifically to Naramali. Um, I've said before that I hope that at this point in time he he learns from the thing about celebrities. That celebrities are very both very important, and they are both they're both very important, and they are very risky at the same time. Which means that their lives are lived in a magnifying glass. So both their strengths and their weaknesses are magnified. Yeah. Um, I understand. I know that one of my my friends, Ufama, the actress, was we just did a, uh, an Instagram video about this, talking about I think what Tacha said and what Naramali said. Um, I mean, I wrote a post this morning on my newsletter about. Um, I titled it. I, so it was a mistake. We we titled it. We said I titled it. Um, Mind the gap. It was about social distancing, and I was like, oh, we don't need social distancing. We need physical distancing because. You know, we need to be social, emotionally connected, you know, to survive. But for some reason, the, 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 the full post didn't come out. So it looked as if I was saying to people, don't practice social distancing. So I was, I was calling my editor of the newsletter. I said, please, we need to send out the new newsletter. We need to send out the new newsletter because I'm responsible to the people who follow me. And at a point in time like this, it's important to be careful about the mess. Even if I have... Even if I know that a lot of people criticize Elon Musk, for instance, for saying, oh, coronavirus doesn't affect children. And I understood what he was saying. It's important to have independence of mind, even at a time like this. But while you are sorting out your own issues, trying to figure out, you know, what is real and what is not, it's important to understand that there are people who, for good or bad, are relying on the things we say. And assuming mm -hmm. that we have more information or more knowledge than sometimes we do, 
And that sense of responsibility, we shouldn't reduce ourselves or be less authentic, but we should be responsible. So um, all of this is not to say that Naramali was responsible or not responsible. It's to say that I hope that he has moments of reflection when he says to himself, look, I've made a mistake in public or I shouldn't have said that thing. Um, I'm going to find a way to navigate. Because again, sometimes as a psychologist, you understand, I'm sure, about this, about shame. And sometimes when you are shamed, when you've made a mistake in public and people attack you, you begin to feel a sense of shame. And you feel a sense of shame. Rather than apologize and take responsibility, you double down because, you know, you don't want to lose face. Um, I hope that there are people around him and anybody else who help them navigate that shame so that they can forgive themselves and apologize when they need to and then do better next time and do better. That's the only thing I can expect from any human being. That's the only thing, I, the only energy I can put out to influence any human being. Thank you so, so much, Jude. It's been, it's been a very, very interesting time with you. And I, and I believe that everyone who has joined us at one point or the other has picked up two, three, four, five things to run with. Uh, do you have any final word for us? We don't know how long mm. we are going to be like this. We don't know how mm. long it's going to last. Or we are just hopeful mm. that things will get better. you have mm. some final word? Yes, I mean, it's, um, look, the world has gone through worse than this in the past. You know, the world has gone through the Spanish flu, the world has gone through the bubonic plague. The world I was has gone through... Yes, so all this time. So <laughs> I follow a newsletter called the, the Daily Stoic. And why I like Daily Stoic is that it's, 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 it addresses today's issues from the eyes of history. And yeah. when, when you look at today from the eyes of history, you can get a sense of calm in two things. One, human beings always find a way. We always find a way to move ahead. It's, you, can, you can count on human beings to innovate their way out of problems. So that's the one thing. If we keep putting out our positive energies, we keep putting out our creative energies, we will find a way to get through this. Number two, panic only makes things worse. You know, so literally, panic weakens your immune system. Panic sends messages to your physiology that makes it less likely for it to fight whatever it is it's dealing with. There is nothing useful in panicking. There's, there's no, there is no advantage to be secured through panicking. So the best thing is to approach each day with a sense of proportion. I take precautions. I do not, I am, I've, been, I've been isolated mostly. I've been washing my hands as often as I can, 20 minutes, and spending at least two minutes washing my hands. I've been disinfecting surfaces twice every day. You know, our offices have been closed down for about two weeks. All of those things. Yeah, I'm doing what I need to do. But once I've done what is in my control, I leave the rest. There is nothing else to do but to live the life that I have and enjoy it as much as I can. And I recommend the same to you. Thank you so much today. I'm Thank very you. grateful. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Hope you learned something new. Do join us next time. For inquiries, speaking requests, and much more, please send an email to tolushe at tolushefrancis.com. See you next time on the Rising Heroes Podcast.